Welcome to A Journey of Transformation Empowerment. You're listening to Antonio T. Smith Jr. Where ideas ignite, change, and possibilities are endless. Before we dive into today's episode, we have something special for our listeners. Today's podcast is brought to you by a groundbreaking book that's reshaping the conversation around Black economic empowerment. It's Resegregation, Volume 1, The Power Matrix, a master plan for Black group economics with wealth creation, authored by visionary Antonio T. Smith, Jr., Antonio isn't just an author. He's a former top-secret combat special operations intelligence sergeant turned millionaire. His life work championed the economic autonomy and wealth creation within black communities. In this seminal work, dedicated to teachings of Dr. Claude Anderson, Antonio outlines a comprehensive blueprint covering critical sectors like finance, technology, manufacturing, and more. He blends military discipline with acute understanding of systematic disparity. This isn't just a book. It's a movement. A call to action to create lasting wealth and reshaping the economic narrative. Antonio's vision is clear. Drive a significant shift toward black ownership and control. Listeners, if you've ever wondered about innovative strategies for wealth creation or how technological transformation can uplift the black communities, then this book is for you. Join Antonio Smith Jr. on the transformative journey. Pick up your copy of The Resegregation Volume 1, The Power Matrix today and be a part of the reshaping future. Now, let's dive into the episode and explore the possibilities that await us. It takes a little more than belief to execute goals like Al Spazeri or Young Mark. You've got to have courage, and you're going to need an abundance of courage. Annie Danaka tells us a beautiful story from Portland, Oregon. You're going to have a lot of people against you, some of the people that you thought were your friends and loved ones, and they're going to try and hold you back. And it's going to be sheer guts, courage, that'll keep you going. Al did it. Mark did it, Annie Danaka did it, and so can you. Listen to this. Now, you've got to have courage to act on the idea. In the vernacular, it takes a lot of guts. We were fortunate enough to uh, have Paul Hutsey share his experience with us yesterday. Do you know in that same meeting that I met Paul Hutsey in, I was living in L.A. at the time, and I had come into Toronto to work the conventions for that company. There was another gentleman, and that man changed right in the meeting. 
He changed right in the meeting. He went back. He lived in a neighboring town to Paul. I believe he was in Hutchison, Kansas. At that time, Paul was in Wichita. And I remember Paul telling me one day, he said, you know, he changed so much, he appeared to be phony. He said, I almost told him. But he said he never changed back. Well, I was out working in Paul's company. I was working up and down the west coast of the United States. I was in Portland, Oregon. And... There was a young lady in the seminar there, and I'm going to tell you, she had her act put together. You could say she had her head screwed on right. Physically, she was quite an attractive lady. She uh, did some of the work that you do, Scott. She worked on stage. She uh, did commercials. She raced cars. I'm talking about those great big long things with little wheels on one end and big ones on the other to go about 5,000 miles an hour for a second or two. <laughs> you know? And she won the races. She was a salesperson in Paul's company and she did very, very well. Her name was Annie Danaka. The following Christmas, Annie sent me a calendar. And on each month was a beautiful philosophical quotation contained beautiful truths about life. Rather than write to her, I gave her a call and thanked her for it. One thing led to another, and we got around to the point of talking about something John was talking to young Mark about. He was saying, some of your peers are going to attempt to knock you off course. Well, I would go to so far to say, Mark, that many of your peers are going to attempt to knock you off course. As you go to execute this big idea, understand not only do you have to adapt to the new idea, but the people around you are going to have to adapt to your new idea if they're going to accept you in their life. And it's highly unlikely that they are going to adapt. To see the people you've been associating up with up to now, they've been earning $18,000 a year, Al. And I would imagine some of those people probably have quit talking to you. Yeah. Marriage is sitting there, his wife saying, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they've quit talking to us. I experienced this. When my income took off, some people I thought were my friends quit talking to me. Of course, you're earning this money. What are you going to do with it? Well, I like spending it. My wife gets a bigger kick out of it than I do, but you buy a nice new car. They say, oh, you're a big shot now. And of course, you probably want to live in a nice new home. What was the matter with the old one? Not good enough for you? <laughs> you've got to be prepared for this. And you've got to develop mental strength because I'm going to tell you at first it hurts. It bothers you. They try and pull you back to where they are. <clears throat> Annie was telling me about a time she went down on a call for a play. And she went with a couple of her, what she thought were her girlfriends. She got the leading role in the play, and the friends didn't even get in the supporting cast. I have never been in a play, but uh, my daughter has, and one that Scott was musical director of, and I watched them rehearse. I went over, and I got to know the cast. And they work hard. They work long hours. This is before it ever goes on stage. I mean, they start early in the morning. They go late at night. They may do this for weeks on end. 
Then just to find you got to rewrite this section, you got to learn it all over again. New energy has to be put into it. It's tough, grueling work. There's no audience there to give you applause. There's nobody there but the director, the producer, the critique what you're doing and say, that's not good enough, do it again, you know, do it different, do it better. That can be a little disheartening. Opening night is a big night, big night. Now, I know that intellectually, I don't really know it emotionally because I've never been in a play. But I watched them, and they were excited. And of course, afterwards, there's a party for the cast. Because Colleen happened to be in this one, I was invited to the party, and I was standing watching them, and they were so enthused, they were excited. I mean, big deal. Well, opening night of Anne's play, her girlfriends didn't come out to support her. And that's usually a time, I know that one that I'm referring to with Scott, that Colleen was in, there were members of the cast where their families flew in from the United States. Yours did, as a matter of fact, Scott. I met his mother and his sister. In fact, I had breakfast with them after. They had flown in from Colorado. Another chap had his family flow in from Alberta. They come out to support them on opening night. Well, these girls never even come out to support Anne, and it bothered her. It really bothered her. And she was talking to an old friend of her dad who has since passed away. His name was Hap. Hap wrote her this letter. She told me about it. She says, I'll send you a copy of it. I've given it to a few people on occasion. She says, you can have permission to use it in the seminar. It is a classic. It is a classic. Now, as I read this, I want you to keep this in mind. As you take that new idea and you make up your mind, you're going to go right to the goal. You're not going to be part of the 80%. You're going to be the 20%. And you want to remember this, Mark. Don't let those kids pull you down. They're on the wrong track. And you make up your mind, you're going to execute this regardless of what anybody says. Hap said, Dear Ann, once upon a time there was a fellow by the name of Al Cap who wrote a comic strip called Lil Abner. Many years ago he had some characters in the strip who lived in a town near Dogpatch. They were the town bums, the ne'er-do-wells, the failures whose whole aim in life was to pass judgment on others. Their criticism and ridicule became so vehement that in time, the rest of the people in town became acutely conscious of it. The boys down at the stable, as they were called, because that's where they spent most of their time, soon set the social, social standards for the whole town. Nobody could do anything without their sanction. Because they lived within the structure of their crummy little world, they would laugh and point their finger at anyone and everyone who tried to be better than he was. As a result, the people feared the ridicule of the boys down at the stable so much so that they stopped trying. Soon everybody became bums, and the whole town died. He said, in every social structure, and whether it's family, town, country, or state, there are the boys down at the stable. They're the jealous ones. They're too scared to try something different, and they show their ignorance by laughing at those who do. Learn to recognize the man for what they are, and don't let them hurt you. It takes a certain amount of toughness in here to succeed. One has to rise above those who would tear you down so that they can laugh and say, I told you so. There's too many of us who love you and want you to make it, and I can put myself right at the top of the list. You aren't going to be, you aren't going to fall flat on your face as they would have you. You're going to do a superb job. Remember, this show is only one small step in the direction of greater things you will do, many of which are beyond your wildest dreams. One of the things I like about you best is that you always give it hell for try. The show will be a success because of you and others like you who try. There are only winners in the cast. 
The losers are gathered down at the stable, laughing and hoping for our failure. If we could dig down deep inside of them, I'm sure we'd find that they would like to win also, but they're too scared to try. And they attempt to cover up their own failures as human beings by laughing at others. In a sense, I'm sorry for they. Their guilt must make them very unhappy people. Much love and give them hell hap. What a letter. I wish I had known him. I can relate to this very, very well because I spent half my life as one of the boys down at the stable. Then I was fortunate, like that elderly couple, I had somebody knock on my door and show me how to turn in a bigger bulb, illuminate my life to a greater degree. And I experienced people like this. You see, what I did was I relate back, how did I react to these people? I reacted the same way. And I had to recognize, yeah, I was jealous. I was jealous. I was cynical. And I would point my finger and laugh at anybody who tried to be better. You'd never find me in one of these at that time. Now, this idea and expectation that John was referring to, I have come to the conclusion that as you study the laws of your being, that giving and receiving is one of the laws. It's the action-reaction where John was using a little dinosaur. And I found out as you give, you learn how to receive. And the more you give, the more you receive. And that's just the way it works. And as you get that law firmly planted in your mind, and you really understand the significance behind this power, then it becomes simple and, in fact, natural to expect good things. Because you know how it works. You expect your car to run when you turn the key. And if it doesn't, you know there's a little problem. And if there's a signal comes to you that there's a problem, let's say a red light goes on in the dash, you don't take a screwdriver and knock the red light out of the dash and keep driving. <laughs> That's a signal telling you there's something wrong. You correct what's wrong. If we see a signal on our results, there's got to be a correction made in here. Let's go inside, get under the hood. As I mentioned a moment ago, we were fortunate enough to have Paul here yesterday. I'm going to ask Paul to come back down here. Now, right. Paul, maybe we could just stand over here, all right? Now, I asked Paul to come down for a reason. John and I come up with an idea some time ago, and we've been working on this idea for a long time. Last night, um, having dinner with Paul, Paul talked about changing the number two to a candle, because it represented light, and light comes from inside. And I got thinking about this, and I was thinking of a quote that uh, I guess you could say both John and I fell in love with quite a long time ago. And the quote kept playing on our mind and playing on our mind. And so we decided to develop an idea around it. And it is a, um, it's actually not a quote, it's an epitaph that um, Theodore Roosevelt wrote many, many years ago for his son, who had passed away or died in battle six months before his own death. And Roosevelt said, only those are fit to live who do not fear to die. 
and none are fit to die who have shrunk from the joy of life. Both life and death are parts of the same great adventure. He said, all of us who provide service and stand ready for sacrifice are the torchbearers. We run with the torches until we fall, content if we can pass them to the hands of the other runners. Let me review part of it. He says, all of us who provide service, I think Paul provides a lot of service. I don't think he does. I know he does. And if you go throughout Texas, Missouri, Louisiana, Kansas, you're going to say, Hundreds of people, they'll say, yeah, Hatsi sure does provide a lot of service. And then he says, and stand ready for sacrifice. Well, you know, he's already told us he's got 60 salespeople down there. He's got eight managers. He's got five kids. He's got 19 grandkids. He's got a wife that's uh, just a beautiful lady. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> he, uh, I don't think he has to look for something to do on a weekend. When I asked Paul if he'd come up and share his experience with you and with all the people that are watching this, sitting in their home or at work, he, he didn't even say, let me think about it. He just said, sure, I'd be glad to. You know. Now, you know, most of us look at sacrifice as losing something. The true meaning of sacrifice is giving up something of a lower nature to receive something of a higher nature. I don't know what Paul would have done this weekend, but I do know last night he said, boy, that was just, that was just a great day. He said, what a great audience. He said, I had a wonderful time. So he gave up something of a lower nature. He received something of a higher nature. Now, John and I had an idea some time ago, and we had someone uh, design and make a little pin out of gold. Now, it's a little gold pin. It has a wreath. It has a hand holding a torch is a torchbearer's pin. And we uh, had decided we would make a lot of people torchbearers, show them that there is compensation in service and sacrifice. And we only had two of these pins made, um, one for John and one for myself, but we thought the first guy that we should make a torchbearer is Paul Hatzi. Mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> So, well, isn't that nice? <laughs> See how fast you get it back when you give it out? <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, that was spontaneous. We were talking last night, and I said, the only time you give is when you don't think about it. It's just automatic. It's got to be spontaneous. If you have to think about it, you're trading. Um, I know that John was, John didn't even know I was going to do that. We talked about making Paul the first torchbearer, but he didn't know I was going to do that then, nor did I know he was going to do that. Now, you get locked into this idea, what you want to do is fall in love with what you do. The results you get are the compensation you receive for what you do. Now, there's a difference between expecting something and wanting it. Don't see this as a difficult task. On page 33, what I want to suggest you do 
is take and write down the left-hand side of page 33, about every third line. What's family life right at the top on the left-hand side? Right on the left-hand side of the page down here, on the first line, put family life. Drop down two or three lines, put social life. Come down two or three more lines, staying on the left-hand side, put business life. Come down a little further and put income. Come down a little further and write health. Now, they're just some suggestions of areas of your life. I want to suggest you pick out some more and then ask yourself, have I just been wanting these because wants are here in the consciousness? Expectation is in here. And you can want things, you can see them, and you can have them in your consciousness. If you don't plan them in here, you're not going to get them. And I want you to take some time and really think about that. And don't just pass this lesson over and, and go on and do whatever you're going to do. This is the lesson. It's important that you get in. This is how you get yourself involved. You develop the understanding. It motivates the action, which changes the results. And that's what we said. It's the understanding and application. On page 34, quote at the top of the page, I believe John did that much better than I could do it here with young Mark over here. So desire is the effort of the unexpressed possibility within seeking expression without through your action. It's the idea that's cooking in every cell of our being. It's the act that's bubbling under. There's something inside wanting us to go out and do. It's the idea wanting to be expressed. And don't be disheartened if it doesn't happen when you think it's supposed to happen. John mentioned yesterday there's a season for sowing and there's a season for reaping, but you never do both in the same season. When you plant the seed, understand that the idea is a non-physical seed, but it's every bit the same as a physical seed that you plant in the ground. Recently, we were having some work done around our house. There was a strip that we had filled in. It was a bit of a ditch. We had it filled in. We were going to have it sodded. And uh, the gentleman that was working on it, he said, you know, he said, this is an excellent time of year to seed. He said it would come through in a week. I said, really? He said, it'd be a lot less work and an awful lot less expensive. I said, go ahead and seed it. And in a week, bang, that grass was out there. It took a week for that seed. That's called the gestation or an incubation period, and that's governed by one of the natural laws of the universe called the law of gender. All seeds have a gestation or an incubation period. I believe the seed for a baby is about 280 days. I have never seen a man coming home after a young lady's gone to the doctor and she come home and she says, darling, blessed event's gonna take place. 90 days later, he comes home, he says, well, where is it? <laughs> oh, I didn't go to work. No. 
It's like James Allen said, we wait as one who understands. When spirit rises and commands, God is ready to obey. There's a gestation period. You plant a seed for a carrot. I understand it takes 70 days. We have gained a conscious understanding of what the gestation period is for almost all physical seeds. But remember yesterday we were talking about the water and the steam and the ether, and we were talking about the only difference between the physical and the non-physical is in density or amplitude of vibration. It's exactly the same. Well, keep in mind that an idea is exactly the same as the physical seed. It's exactly the same. It only appears different to one of these things we call our sensory factor. But it's exactly the same, and it's governed by exactly the same law. The non-physical world and the physical world is all governed by the same law because it's the same world. It's the opposite side of the same thing. But you cannot see that with your sensory factors. You've got to see it with an inner eye of understanding. On page 34, we say, in other words, your idea, your dream, or goal can only be desire once it has been properly planted in this creative universal intelligence. And we suggested how you do that. You do that through constant spaced repetition, and you do it in a totally relaxed state. I don't think you write very good music, Scott, when you're uptight and things are bothering you and you've got real pressing problems. You see, tension tires, relaxation rests and renews. Relaxation opens the chakras and lets the power flow freely through you. And that's really what you are as a channel. Use your relaxation, your visualization tape. You say, however, once your desire has been firmly established, it is the expectant attitude that ensures your goal or dream is not uprooted or replaced by any opposing idea. You see, when you understand how this power works and your conscious relationship to it, you're not going to be knocked off track by circumstance because you are expecting the right thing to happen. Like Paul Hutze said, he said, I found the 10-acre lot because I was looking for the 10-acre lot. Most people don't expect it. They just think because they've changed vocations, they've changed towns, they've changed spouses, they've changed clothes, they've changed cars, that everything's going to happen. Uh-uh. You don't change the kitchen by painting the outside of the house. If you want your results to change permanently and dramatically, you've got to change them inside. Now we're on page 34. Therefore, it is imperative that you understand the following three points from Genevieve Brevan's phenomenal book, Your Invisible Power. John was working with earlier. For they will help you to develop the understanding you need to form the expectant attitude. Now, let's take a look at these three points. All space is filled with a creative power. It's not just insides, like we said earlier, it's everywhere. This creative power is amenable to suggestion. You create the idea, and as you get emotionally involved in it, you've placed it in the universe, and the entire universe comes to your beck and call. Such a phenomenal idea for us to grasp. We say the creative power only works by deductive methods. John covered that early yesterday. What do we mean by that? Deductive methods. 
It only has the ability to accept the idea and move it into all its necessary parts for the manifestation of the idea. It has no ability to add one fact, one idea, one thought. It cannot add anything to it. It's like a mold. What you pour in, that's what you get back. This creative power only works by deductive methods. You build the picture. I'm telling you, just think about it. You can build a picture in your mind. You turn it over, and that's the way your life starts to go. The same way the architect designs the building, the same way you design how your table is going to be set, the same way you design how to make that dress, the same way you design how to make that table, the same way Paul designed the way he wanted his house, you can design your life. All aspects of it. And it works by exactly the same law. Now Thomas Troward in his writing emphasized this last point because it implies that the action of this ever-peasant creative power is in no way limited by precedent or what has gone on before. What do we mean by that? Well, I'll tell you exactly what we mean by it. Your present or past results have absolutely nothing to do with what's going to happen from this point forward. Now, that was the point that Ray Stanford drilled into my head. You see, I kept thinking, well, gee, I'm such a mess up. You know, I've done everything wrong up till now. I'm 26. I'm broke. I'm not happy. Everything was wrong. He said, Bob, that's all in the past. He said, every moment is a new moment. We shouldn't condemn ourselves. And he said, what you were yesterday, you paid for. What you are today, you decide upon. That's exactly what Troward's saying. This power in no way is limited by precedent. Even in a creative state, we sometimes don't understand that. Do you know why airplanes, right up to today almost, have wings on them? Because birds have wings. Birds fly, they have wings going to get a plane to fly, you got to put wings on it. Do you? No. We've got planes flying without wings today. You know why? Never did need wings. But you see, the thinking was, to a degree, limited by precedent. Birds fly with wings. Planes have to have wings. Planes do not have to have wings. You're creative. If you can visualize it, you can do it. It doesn't matter what it is. That's what Hill said. Anything the mind can conceive and believe, it can achieve. Said in other words, this universal creative power creates a creative direction from the idea or image that you impress upon it. It's just sitting there and it's waiting and saying, whatever you ask for, I'll give you. Before you speak, I'll hear. Is that just a nice little piece of scripture? Before you speak, I'll hear. Well, let's analyze it from a logical point of view. What precedes the spoken word, the thought? What's the thought set up? It sets up the vibration. What is this work by? By vibration, movement. See, one of the laws of the universe is vibration. Everything vibrates, nothing rests. Everything from the electron to the universe is in a state of movement. Before you speak, I'll hear. Sound of God evolves around the law of vibration. I don't know if the book you've got has nothing on the next page, but my page is blank. If you want to take a number, the next, the next page, both sides of the next page. Would you take a number of that? Now, how many of you, or did you, write 35 and 36 on the next two pages? Why? 
Why'd you do that? Do you want to know why you did it? Because it seemed the most natural thing in the world to do. Because there was nothing on it. On one side it says 34, and the next one said 37. So this has to be 35 and 36. You could have put 16 and 102 if you wanted. There was nothing on the page. Nothing. And you know that's exactly the way your life is every day? Blank. Nothing there. Put on it anything you want. You don't have to let what's on the previous page determine. You don't have to let what somebody tells you is coming determine. You can put anything on it you want. You got a clear sheet. You have right now, Mark has, I have, John has. Every one of us has. Now, grasp that. We can start over right now, build the image. You see, L did that. He said, I'm not going to work for $18,000 anymore. I am not going to be average anymore. I understand when he went through the seminary, he started to grasp this. He said, I understand there's something special about me. He said, I'm going to treat me the way God meant me to treat me. Did his wife benefit? I guess she did. Did his daughter benefit? I guess she did. Did his manager benefit? I guess he did. And you want to know who else benefited? A whole pile of people that he helped move into the home of their dream. Did he provide service? Yeah, he did. Did he sacrifice? Sure. He was out lots of evenings when he could have been home. Think about it. Think about it. Up at the top of page 37, we say, once you fully understand this great truth, the character with which this sensitive reproductive power is invested will become the most important consideration for you. Your thoughts, you will start to guard them. You'll start to monitor them. You're going to start to really pay close attention to what's going on. See, once you become aware of this truth that the universal creative power can only be what you feel and think it to be, it will become eager and willing to do your bidding. You say this understanding will enable you to be filled with the expectant attitude and to expect the materialization of the image will become most natural for you. Do you know that if you put this particular tape on and play it every day for at least a month, there's so much depth to this idea. Every time you read it, you're going to see it clearer. It'll be as if you're standing at the base of a tall building facing east. And somebody said, what's the view like facing east? And you'll describe it. But then you go in and you raise your consciousness, you move up to the third floor and you go to the east wall and you look through the window. The view is different. You're still facing east, but it's different. And then you go and you raise your consciousness and you go up to the 10th floor and you go to the east wall and you look, but it's different. It's much more beautiful. And ultimately, if you'll keep listening to this and watching it and thinking it and relating it to your own life, you're gonna work your way to the roof and you'll see as far as your eyes can take you. It's like Paul told me one time. He said, go as far as you can see. When you get there, you'll see how to go further. Troward said, if you think your thought's powerful, it's powerful. Let's stroke from our vocabulary those three words, it's just me. It's just me. It's just me should never be just. Something absolutely phenomenal. When you're talking about you, you can speak in superlatives all day long and you're going to fall short of describing the dynamics of you. Talk about something special. You are sure special, believe me.
I know I'm special. I think I'm a nice person. And you know something? It's because I know that and think that, that I attract nice people into my life. I've got some phenomenal friends. Later today, you're going to see everybody that works for our company, and I'm going to tell you, I was saying to Paul last night, I'm so proud to be working with these people. We have some of the nicest people that you'll ever want to meet working in this company. Just absolutely phenomenal. We were talking about Shirley Liberdier, our national sales manager. And I was saying last night at dinner, I said, you know something? I have never heard that woman complain. I've never heard her say anything negative. Physically, she's not very big, but I'm going to tell you, she's got a rod of steel right down her back. She's the toughest little lady I've ever met in my life and smart. I was saying to Paul, we were with Gina and Randy, and I said, you know something? I said, they work at this company as if it's theirs. On the way home, I thought, maybe they got a picture in their mind. But anyway. <laughs> but you don't attract people like this if you're not a nice person. You see, I grew up with the idea, don't say things about yourself like that. It's conceit. It is not. It's awareness. If you don't love you, how are you ever going to love anyone else? I'm not talking about conceit. I'm talking about a heightened awareness of what we're really like. Now, expressed another way, as a person thinketh in their heart, so are they. John worked on that yesterday just about as well as I've ever heard it worked on. It's in your heart. That's inside. That's what Paul was talking about. Universal creative power can no more change this law than an ordinary mirror can reflect back to you a different image than the object that you hold before it. But remember, as you think does not mean as you tell people you think. Why, there's a lot of people got that mixed up. It doesn't mean as you tell people you think or as you would wish the world to believe you think. It means your innermost thoughts. What's going on inside? What do you think of you? The more you study you, the, you're going to find your belief system is based upon your evaluation of something. The more you evaluate you, the more you're going to believe in you. It means your innermost thoughts. That's a place where no one but you knows the truth. Your sanctum sanctorum. That's where you go to the closet and you close the door. Inside. That is what you expect, and that is what you will attract, and that is what you will ultimately get. All things are possible in spirit because it's an original state. Spirit is a sensitive, unseen, creative substance whose sole purpose is expansion and fuller expression. But spirit or creative substance can only reproduce, expand, or express itself in a greater way in accordance with the limitations placed upon the instrument through which it expresses itself. It's like the light bulb. What did John say to you a few minutes ago? Some of you recorded it mentally, and some of you might not have. He said, don't expect God to do for you what God can only do with and through you. Powerful line. Where did he get that so deeply sunk? Because he sat where you're sitting and he wrote it over and over and over and thought about it over and over and over and worked with it over and over and over. doesn't just, you know, it's the way it works. The non-physical creative substance spirit flows to and through the seed and expresses itself in its polar opposite physical form, namely the plant or the tree. Now, I want to take a minute. We are running a little late. but Take a look at the third paragraph on the bottom of page 37. 
Spirit can only express itself through the medium of an acorn in accordance with the limitations placed on the acorn. And the medium of the acorn is limited by the pattern plan or the nucleus in the seed. Now, I want you to really think. I want you to imagine that that's an acorn. That acorn is not solid. It is moving. It is actually moving. That acorn is a mass of energy in a high speed of vibration. And at the present time, that acorn would be disintegrating because it can only do one of two things, create or disintegrate. It's disintegrating because it's not in an environment that's conducive to its unfoldment. Why do you think I suggested to Brian to get in with the big hitters? Dr. Livingston proved that from Harvard back away back in the 60s. He took a person that wasn't doing well and he placed that person, pe person with people that were doing very well and that person's productivity went up. Get into the right environment. That acorn, if we took the acorn and we planted it, let's say that's the acorn, and we plant the acorn below the earth's surface. Instantly and automatically, that acorn would start to attract particles of energy to it. If I took two drops of water and I moved them together, what would happen? They'd become one. If I took a drop of peanut oil and a drop of water and moved it together, what would happen? They'd repel. Why? Because they're not on the same frequency. They're both massive energy, but not in harmonious vibration. There's all kinds of particles of energy in the earth that are not in harmony with the vibratory rate of the acorn, but they won't be attracted because they're not on the same frequency. Now, that acorn has a pattern plan or a nucleus in it. You'll hear many people say the oak sleeps in the acorn. That's not true. You'll never find an oak tree in an acorn. You can dissect it with the most powerful microscope you'll ever get your hands on. You'll never find an oak tree in it. Do you know why? There isn't one there. The oak tree's in the universe. Where does everything come from? Everything just is. Everything is an expression of the same thing. Everything, all supply, comes from one infinite source, a non-physical source. Same as your money, your health, and everything else. This acorn has no ability to alter its state of vibration. So it keeps attracting little particles of energy, just like a magnet. And as they join with the acorn, it's like the drop of water. Keep adding drops to it, and pretty soon you're going to have a big puddle. This thing has to what? Expand. We call that growth. And a shoot comes out of the bottom, and another little shoot comes out of the bottom. Pretty soon a shoot comes out of the top, and it bursts through the earth into the atmosphere. And from the atmosphere, particles of energy, unseen to the physical senses, but not unseen to this power, and it's attracted, and that thing starts to grow, and pretty soon it has roots, and it has a trunk, and bark, and branches, and twigs, and leaves, and it has the whole thing. Do you know why? It cannot change its state of vibration. It's locked in. That's why an acorn can only grow into an oak tree. Carrot can seed can only grow into a carrot. Want to know what makes us unique? We can grow into anything we choose because we build the idea, it becomes the nucleus, it controls our vibration, and that dictates what we attract to us. You know what our problem is? We're growing into an oak tree one day, a carrot the next, a maple tree the following day. 
And you know why we do that? Because we don't see what we think with our limited awareness is coming to us on time. We want the leaves before we even get the roots. Won't work. Never has, never will. Get locked into your idea and stay in that vibration regardless of what's happening. I've often said you'd have to put a great big bullet right through here to get me to stop doing what I'm doing. I don't want to do anything else. I mean, in my, long, my mind a long time ago, this is what I was going to do, and I was going to work at getting better at it every day. Lock into something. Find something you love to do and dedicate your life to it. I see people come into this business because they haven't made it in three weeks. They say, oh, hell, it won't work. <laughs> you know? You mean it won't work. Anything will work. They do it like they play a yo-yo. It's up and down, up and down. I'll throw the yo-yo away. Yeah. Never master it. Do you know the average person reads at a grade seven level? We learn to read by the time we're in grade seven and never improve upon the skill. Very few people ever master anything. I want to suggest that through the repetition of listening and looking and watching this, you're going to master whatever you love to do. Go and do it. Get the courage to step out and do it. On page 38, Genevieve Viran said, when your understanding, when your understanding, understanding comes from knowledge, it's the polar opposite of ignorance. When your understanding, and remember knowledge, the only way you can get it at is through study. Unfortunately, study seems to be something like taxes. People only do it if they have to. Well, what we want to do is fall in love with the idea of studying. When your understanding grasps the power to visualize your heart's desire. The heart is the spiritual core of your being. And you know something? Spirit's always for expression and fuller expansion. Spirit's always for growth, never for disintegration. When you see things get bad and they say it must be God's will, that's an expression of ignorance. God's will is always for expansion and fuller expression. Greater ways, greater things. That is God's will for you, for me, for everyone else. Never for hard times. Abundance is our birthright. We've been conned, folks. She said, when your understanding grasps the power to visualize your heart's desire and then hold it with your will, don't let some peon suggestion knock the idea out of your mind that you can't do it because you never have up till now. Hold the idea with your will. Concentrate. Do like Napoleon. He said, I see only the objective. The obstacle must give way. Do like he did, but don't be like he was. He wasn't a nice person. She said, when you do that, it will attract to you all things requisite to the fulfillment of that picture, and it'll attract it by the harmonious vibration, the law of attraction. You know what you have to do? If nothing's created or destroyed, you've got to get on the same frequency as the good that you desire is on. There's music in this room right now. You don't hear it, but it's here. If I brought in a little transistorized radio and turned it on, you'd hear the music. Did I invite the music in, or did I tune into something that was already here? And all I have to do is change the dial, and I get different music. And change it again, and I get different music. And what am I doing? I'm tuning in on different frequencies. And as you get the image and get involved, you alter the frequency you're on. Therefore, you attract whatever's on that frequency. Do you want poverty? Tune into it. Be delivered right on schedule. Me, I've never liked poverty. Never even when I lived in it. <laughs> now the rest of page 38 is pretty, well, self-explanatory. 
you fill it in. Make sure you fill it in. On page 39, there are three lessons here, or three concepts. It'll take in whatever John's explained and what I've explained. Three certain steps for prosperity in all areas of your life. On page 39. Number one, build the image. That's plugging in the bigger bulb so that you can illuminate your life in a greater way. Turn it over to spirit. Turn it over to spirit. Let go and let John. Let go and let God. I was thinking of John as I was saying that. <laughs> but for good reason. So we didn't edit it. It's for your benefit too. Do you know, when John and Pat Swanton talked to me about that house on Seven Bards Walkway that I made reference to yesterday, that Vera Bont and Brian and Leslie now live in, they came to me after they put a deposit on that and they were worried because they didn't have the money. They couldn't even see where it was coming from. And I used that quote of Genevieve B. Rands. I said, believe it's coming and it'll come. Just let go and let God. And it was a very, very funny feeling the day they moved into that house. Because I was there and they moved into the day, 18th of December. The only thing that was in that house that was movable was the stove and the fridge. And on the refrigerator were a pair of praying hands magnetic ones that said, let go and let God. God's everywhere. He's everything. We'll work through you. We'll give you whatever you want. But you've got to ask for it. And you ask in the form of feelings. Number three, expect. Well, if you take this lesson and you study it, you listen to the cassette tapes, and you watch these audio tapes or visuals, and you watch them over and over and over again, the expectation is going to become natural. We've already covered that. Expect it with your heart and soul that Spirit will reward you openly for your faith. It will reward you openly for your faith. Everything that you need to receive the good that you desire is already here. Pat and John found that out. They believed. They got in harmony with the good that they desired, and it came to them. Just like with the acorn, the oak trees and the universe, the pattern plan is in the acorn. When you build the image of what you want, that's the pattern plan in your life. It puts you into the necessary vibration to attract what you have to attract. Nothing is created or destroyed in this universe. It's all here. Everything you're seeking is seeking you. Hold on to that picture. You'll attract what you have to. Pat and John did. Well, I really remember the night of uh, December 20th when we moved into the house. As a matter of fact, it was snowing. And of course, the first place I head for is the kitchen. I walked in, looked at the fridge, and there were praying hands. And on the bottom of the praying hands, it said, let go and let God. And remember I said to you, where did they come from? The hands, like it was a little magnet that just stuck on the side of the fridge. And you looked at me and said, I don't know. But that's how it all happens. I mean, you have to let go and let God. And that's what we did. Um, I don't, it, it was such a, it was an incredible evening. Um, I remember that we must have been doing something upstairs. And somebody came to the door. John, remember you and I went running downstairs. 
and there was nobody at the door, but there was a package inside the door to the right hand, and it was a lovely blue box, and it said Burks at the top. I said, John, we've got a gift. And uh, took the thing upstairs and opened it, and it was an hourglass in there, and it was a gift from Bob because he knew we were moving into the house. Well, he had faith that we were moving into the house. He didn't know exactly that we would. And gosh, it was a really special time. I mean, we had a mess like you can't believe, but it really didn't matter. We were in the house. We had all our stuff in there. And um, it was just a phenomenal time. December 20th was a great day for me. And as you were saying, Pat, about the uh, letting go and letting God, from the first time that we met Bob at the Prince, and uh, we went through the exercise of deciding on what we wanted, making a decision, making a commitment on what we wanted to achieve, uh, namely the house, there was a lot of things that, uh, from my personality and anybody that knows me, would know that I tend to force issues. And uh, I was working in commission sales, which is probably uh, a great asset when you need a lot of money in a short period of time. And for the first week, I was really forcing, uh, try, attempting to uh, make sales, work harder, work longer. And uh, fortunately, we were attending a seminar, uh, one of Bob's seminars, uh, during this time. And uh, I had an opportunity to ask him during the seminar, what do I do? And uh, Bob just looked at me and he said, uh, let go. Let God. Don't force it. Just allow it to happen. And uh, from that point on, I just went ahead, uh, did my work, and allowed myself to receive the good that we wanted to desire. And it was, it was the most important part of that exercise was to learn what to do when you want to achieve something whether it's a sale, whether it's a house, whatever it is. There's a number of years have passed since we purchased that house. And every day of every week, some little thing that we learned during that seven weeks in late 82, 1982, has come back to help us in our day-to-day -day life. And uh, it's been important to both Pat and I. It's been important in our relationship. It's been important in building our financial um, stability that we have today. Uh, we feel that what we've learned has helped us achieve everything that we have now. And uh, we had to let go and let God to achieve that. And we still do. And we still do. Now, we've covered this concept of expectation and expecting abundance. What we really want to do is raise our level of awareness so the expectation becomes a natural state for our mind to be in. And we've already mentioned that expectation is a mindset. It's a mental state. And you're going to find that that state comes to you with an increase of awareness. Now, in talking about the law of vibration, we're starting off here saying the law of vibration explains the difference between mind and matter, between the physical state and the non-physical state 
of everything in the universe, which includes you. So we're talking about the non-physical, and here we're, the non-physical, and here we're talking about the physical. Now, this non-physical part of our personality is where the mental magic starts to take place. We call these our creative tools. They're mentioned in an earlier lesson under the heading of intellectual factors. And it's the intellectual factors that we want to develop. And in developing them, what we do is raise our level of consciousness. Now you come back here, we say, under the law of vibration, we find that everything vibrates, nothing rests. Everything is in a constant state of motion. There is no such thing as inertia. From the mental to the grossest form of matter, all is in vibration. This lectern is made of, I suppose we would call it lucite. However, it appears to be solid, but it's really not. If you look under a microscope, you'll see particles of energy moving. And of course, that would be the same with every physical form that you might look at under a microscope. Now, we say graduating between the lowest and the highest form of vibration, there are literally millions of cells or levels of vibration. Rates of vibration are known as frequency. The higher the frequency, the more potent it becomes. Thought being one of the highest forms of vibration and very potent in nature should certainly be understood. Now, I have mentioned in many, many seminars that thought waves are cosmic waves that penetrate all time and all space. It's not an accident if you happen to be wandering down the Champs-Élysées in Paris or maybe Oxford Street in London, England, and a loved one may be sitting in Colorado Springs and they're really concentrating. Something has happened at home and they really want you to phone home. All of a sudden, you get a feeling you should phone home. Now, what did we say feeling was? Vibration. Their thought waves are in resonance or in harmonious vibration on the same frequency as certain cells in your brain. And as that thought wave of theirs strikes your brain cells, it sets up a vibration in you. You call that a feeling. You've got a feeling you should phone home. And you phone and they'll say, oh, thank goodness you phone. We've been wanting to talk to you. Do you think that's an accident? Again, it's the same thing when uh, you pick up the phone to phone someone. You haven't touched the dial. Uh, the phone hasn't rang, and yet the other person's on the other end. We put that off as coincidence, and we laugh about it. It's an absolute law. You are in tune with the other person. Now, we started out yesterday morning with a glass of water. In the earliest lesson, we were coming under and talking about these three parts of our personality, and then we related it to energy. I held up a glass of water, and I said, in the state of vibration it was in, the energy was called water. Then we talked about heating the water. We called the same energy steam. It wasn't water any longer. And then we continued to heat the energy, and then we called it air, ether, or gas. It was the same energy. Now, let's let these lines here represent levels of vibration, or we could refer to them a different way, levels of consciousness. Now, we're going to take this bottom line and make it a little heavier. We'll put a couple of arrows on it. And then we will write the word self. Now, I would suggest that in your exercise book, on the opposite page to the law of vibration and attraction, 
that you make a drawing like this. Now, underneath, we'll write the word simple. Now, everything below this line is going to be referred to as a simple conscious state. This line is referred and everything above as a self stage of consciousness. Now, what we're dealing with are levels of vibration in consciousness. An animal is in a simple state of consciousness. We could have a little dog here on the set and the dog would know it's on the set, but it doesn't know it knows it. A dog operates as you and I do with sensory factors and they are to help the person communicate with their outside world, but they're not operating with any intellectual factors. They operate with instinct, which is perfect. So the dog knows and yet knows not. It's able through its sensory factors to look at its outside world, but not able to look at its inner world. You and I have the creative ability of looking at our inner world and we're in what we call a self-conscious state. We are aware of our objective as well as our subjective world. Now, there are many varying degrees of consciousness until you reach the higher state, which is called divine or cosmic. Use whatever word you choose. It's divine or cosmic consciousness. All religions that have maintained their balance over any period of time are founded on the premise that we will one day be one with our maker. We will reach this higher or divine conscious state. We will be aware of our oneness with this power. Now you're going to find individuals who have a very low level of consciousness. They're way down here. Therefore, they have a very low level of what we call awareness. Now the awareness dictates how that person lives. When I ever I mention this, I think of the first time I uh, had an occasion to go down to the Loop or downtown Chicago. I was living in Glenview and I went down the Eden's Expressway and as I was going along Michigan Avenue, I saw people laying right in the gutter. They were absolutely filthy. Now, these people were virtually living in an animalistic state, almost. And you would say, well, they're stupid. No, they're not stupid. Some of these people have degrees. Some may have a doctorate's degree or an MBA. What they have is a low level of consciousness. They could have a highly developed intellect. Know a lot here, but still in a low vibration. They're not living there because they want to. They're living there because they do not know. They are not aware of how to change it. You will find then individuals. Some are... Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Up in years, some are fairly young that have a very high level of consciousness. They're not away down here with their consciousness. They have a very high level of consciousness and they have a very, very high level of awareness. Now these people have a phenomenal vibration. Their energy, you feel so good around them. There's something about them that you're attracted to. You're not quite sure what it is. 
You see, you couldn't articulate on it because it's vibration. You very rarely see these people upset. You very rarely see them excited or depressed. They have learned how to maintain a magnificent balance. Everything they do, they seem to do very, very well. They're very creative. They know how to get results. They know how to stay on track and not let the suggestions that are coming from their outside world knock them off track. Now, you and I live somewhere between here and here, and yet know not where. Now, let's suppose a person is on this level of consciousness. The only thing that person could attract is what's on that level or on that frequency. Consciousness, vibration, frequencies, we're talking about the same thing. If a person is earning, let's say, $25,000 a year, they're not earning 25 because they want 25. They're earning 25 because they are not aware of how to earn 50. If a person's suffering with headaches, they're not suffering with headaches because they want headaches. They're suffering from headaches because they're not aware of how to eliminate the headaches. If a person is alone and lonely, they're not alone and lonely because they want to be. They're alone and lonely because they're not aware of how to change it. Now, what you and I are really seeking is a higher level of awareness. And you know, that's what we're gaining as we're studying this material. The more often you watch this, the more you're raising your level of consciousness. Now, what you're really doing is raising your level of awareness. And we're going to get to the point where we're very, very tuned in. We say the law of vibration could be explained in many ways for various purposes. In this seminar, it is our intention to confine it to thoughts, uh, an effort to improve the quality of our life. Now, I'm just going to touch on the first couple of pages, and then John's going to come up and tie this in on this board to goals. Because that's what we really want to know. We want to know how does reaching the goal and the awareness of vibration, how do they connect? Where's the, uh, where's the connection there? Well, the more we understand this, the more we'll understand what I'm saying here. Because everything vibrates. So what we want to do is get into harmonious vibration with whatever good we desire. We say here on the bottom of page 41, third paragraph in the bottom, for you to grasp a clearer understanding of how you can actually take dominion over your results, to understand how and why thoughts and things come into your life as they do, you must go back to this basic premise which we started with in the very first lesson where I held the glass of water and talked about the energy. We called it water, we called it steam, we called it air, ether, or gas. It was the same energy, it was just altering its level of vibration. Now we say energy is neither created nor destroyed. All science and all theology have taught us that for, let's say for the past 6,000 years at least in recorded history. Now, everything is merely in a constant state of vibration being manifest in all varying degrees of vibration. We have the ability to alter the vibratory rate of anything. I could take and alter the vibratory rate of this lectern. Call it lucite, I could turn it into air, ether, gas. I did that yesterday with a dollar bill. Just one minute it was paper, boom, the next minute it was air. I had the choice, I had the ability to do that because I'm a creative being. I do have dominion over. Well, now we know that with simple little things, let's use it for higher things. We say with free will and the other many, many mental factors we possess, in our marvelous mind, you have the co-creative ability to cause vibratory change to take place as you choose. If I'm not feeling good, negative vibration, I can switch the idea in my mind, all of a sudden I'm feeling good, positive vibration. 
How's that controlled? It's controlled by the various ideas that I will choose to entertain to, from time to time, uh, build here and plant here. Because whatever goes in here dictates the vibration my mind-body is in. And we must understand mind-body are one and the same, not two, not two. Now with free will, reason is one intellectual factor, will is another intellectual factor. Reason gives us freedom, and the will gives us the ability to lock into an idea and control our vibration and stay in the vibration we must be in to attract something that's already here. It's like the way to fly the airplane was already here. We say the lack of ability to exercise this tremendous power for good is caused by ignorance. Now remember I put knowledge over here and I said through study you develop understanding. Let's look at the polar opposite. Through ignorance a person gets into a state called worry or doubt. They don't have the understanding of how to change vibration. They don't have the understanding of how to control what's going on on the inside by blocking out what's going on on the outside. Now, if a person is in this psychic state, that's called a mental disease, they're worried. They think they're not going to get what they need to look after what they say they have to look after. That worry, when it's impressed and changed into an emotional state, it then turns into something that's more commonly referred to as fear. That fear energy has to be expressed through the only instrument it can be expressed through the physical body. Instantly and automatically, the body moves into a vibration more commonly known as anxiety. Now, the anxiety we usually treat with Valium. However, we have not looked after the cause. We're treating the effect. And the anxiety, of course, moves into disease, which moves into decay. It's like St. Clair Lewis one time said, we don't die, we kill ourselves. What's the polar opposite to this? Well, with an understanding of this, of this law, of this expectant concept that we've discussed, with what John's going to tie in here now to our goals, you never have to worry about whether you're going to reach your goal. Through the repetition of hearing and studying and watching and learning this information, you'll never fear whether you're going to get there. Because you see, understanding gives us the ability, if we cannot see the positive circumstance on the outside, we can build it on the inside. That's why Napoleon said, circumstance, hell, I make them. George Bernard Shaw said, people are always blaming circumstance for what they are. He said, I don't believe in circumstance. The people who get on in this world are the people who get up, look for the circumstances they want, and if they can't find them, they make them. They have the understanding they can do that. And through doing that and getting emotionally involved, they then set up an emotional state that's quite opposite to fear. It's called faith. The faith must manifest on the physical plane as health or well-being. Now, this could be in our social life. could be a healthy body, healthy bank account, healthy business. Name it and claim it. So you can see it really makes a lot of sense to know how to take control of this. We say, let there be light. And there was light. Let, let there be light. You'll never force light. Light is consciousness. Force negates. Force only works in the physical plane of life. On the mental plane, you have to let it happen. You just let it flow into your consciousness. Flip over to page 42. Page is self-explanatory. I've been talking all the way along. I talked about the importance of environment. We were using uh, Nino's office as an example. 
It's got a lot of heavy hitters in there, big producers, positive people, people with high expectation, with real worthy goals. I introduced Grant Sylvester yesterday, and uh, I, I, I do a lot of work with their company. They got a big company. It's an effective company. That company started four years ago with financial planning centers. They have about 90 centers now across Canada. The first center started about four years ago in Moncton, New Brunswick. Don McKay and Fern Robichaux started that center. Most people would expect to maybe earn a profit in the first two or three years. They'd think that was pretty good. These two men earned a quarter of a million dollars the first year in business in Moncton, New Brunswick. Now, Moncton is not the economic capital of the world. <laughs> How did they do it? It doesn't matter where you are outside. It's like Paul said, it's where you are inside. Don McKay and Fern Robichaux expect the best. Grant Sylvester and the executives in that company expect to attract people that want to open businesses, and they attract them. And the people are very successful. This page, 42, focuses on that. It talks about the positive and the negative personalities. We made yesterday, reference yesterday to Raymond Aaron's Millionaire's Club. He has attracted a group of people, every one of them want to learn to be a millionaire. He's a pretty good guy to teach them. The guy's a millionaire. How do you become a millionaire? Same way you can become or same way any of his people. Right thinking, right ideas. He has the ideas. You want to get them? Go to him. Does he give them to you for nothing? No. Servant's worth is higher. But it works. Why? Environment again. You're in tune. You're mixing with the right people. Now, if you're a negative person, in other words, you're choosing negative ideas, you're worrying, fear, and anxiety, you know the only thing you can attract? The people that are vibrating on that frequency. You're going to attract other negative people. Misery loves company. That just isn't a cute saying. Birds of a feather flock together. Now, if you're a heavy hitter, understand this. Eagles don't flock. Sparrows do. Big difference. Mm -hmm. And the heavy hitters, they're all attracted to each other. They go to the same clubs. They take the same kind of vacations. They drive the same kind of cars. They live in the same neighborhoods. Now, if you're not one, how do you become one? Mix with them. You choose your environment. That's exactly what I did. 27 years ago, I was sitting in a bar here in Toronto. I guess that's where you spent most of my time and all my money that I could beg, borrow, and steal. I very rarely earned very much in those days. One day I picked up a glass and I looked at it and I looked around and I thought, they're all bums in here. <laughs> they were. Then I thought, geez, I must be a bum too because I'm always here. <laughs> I'm one of them. They're one of me. You know what I said? I put the glass down. I said, I'm never coming back as long as I live. And I never have. I never have. And strange thing, none of them have phoned to see how I am. That's almost 30 years ago. <laughs> they never missed me, did they, Mark? Never did. No, they don't even know I'm gone. <laughs> On page 43, we're talking about our connecting link. Slowly but deliberately, see with your inner eye of understanding how you connect with the good that you desire. We say two objects whose electromagnetic fields are the same 
have the same frequency, therefore they are in resonance, in harmony, or have a rapport. When two objects are in resonance, or well within the same sphere of relative motion of each other, vibration can be transmitted from one to the other through the medium of the electron. Resonance is concerned with the electromagnetic field surrounding the objects. We find that a globe on a chandelier will vibrate in resonance with a certain key on the piano, yet it will not vibrate to any other key on the piano, just the one. Music is vibration, I think, isn't it, Scott? That's what it is. Why do you think music will make you feel so good sometimes? Why do you think music will get you jumpy and make you want to dance, you know? Why? Vibration. Affects cells in your brain, puts you in a new vibration, you want to act differently. There's some radio stations that you enjoy. They're in harmony with the way you think. There's some that drive you crazy. They're not in harmony with the way you think. But there's a market for them all. We say all electrical, on page 43, around the middle of the page, all electromagnetic waves or quantrums have their rate of frequency, which means the number of changes in direction per second. The electric wave spectrum is in a scale of vibration and is divided into regions. One must remember that these regions are not actual divisions, but merely arbitrary spaces covering frequencies that manifest in our senses in different ways each region blending into both the one above and the one below, like we said, like the colors of a rainbow. Now we say the earth and the universe are all but degrees in one scale and are in their basic nature the same. The difference be solely a matter of degree or vibration. All manifests of the same energy. Do you know that when you grasp this idea all of your prejudices will disappear. It'll disappear. Just like the negative consciousness we're going to show you in the next lesson. They'll disappear. And you know why they'll disappear? Because of understanding. It's the removing of ignorance. Now read this last paragraph carefully. When the world understands this truth, that everything is an expression of the same thing, we will see that all people are the same. They only appear to be different. How do they appear to be different? They appear to be different to our physical senses, our lowest mental tools. The dividing lines are not borders, color or language, but ignorance. You attract whatever or whomever you are in harmonious vibration with. The results vary, the people remain the same. The results vary the people remain the same. We may see a black man and a white woman, or a white woman and a black man. You know what I enjoy watching when I see that? I enjoy watching the people around, watch the expressions on their faces, the shock, the anger, the horror. Do you know what they're expressing? Ignorance. It's them that is in the bad vibration. We have got some real Crazy ideas. How do we get these ideas? Well, I remember when I was a little boy, you know, in the little life that John talked about yesterday, I can remember my grandmother. She was a dear old lady. I loved her. I can remember her saying, well, they're Catholics, but they're nice people. <laughs> <laughs> On page 44, we say everything is an expression of the same thing. Now we're repeating ourselves just different ways. But I want you to take time and read these paragraphs carefully. 
re-listen to these tapes, watch these videos over and over and over again, and tie it in with what we're saying here, and it's going to take on a different meaning. In the second paragraph, you are connected to everything in the universe and everything with you. Whether you can see it with the naked eye or not is unimportant. The only difference between one thing and another is in density or amplitude of vibration. That is the only difference. When you choose certain thoughts, brain cells are affected. They vibrate and send off electric waves. When you are concentrating on those thoughts, you increase the amplitude of vibration of those cells and the electric waves become much more potent. Do you want your thoughts to be more potent? Develop the willpower, the will, and the mental faculty. That gives you the ability to concentrate. I'll give you an analogy that you're all familiar with. It'll do exactly the same thing. You go outside on a nice sunny day, and you all did this from your little boys and little girls, and you take a magnifying glass, and you may have a piece of paper, some leaves, or you might even have your hand there. And you take the sun, and you put the magnifying glass between the sun and the object, and you can start a fire with it. How? You increase amplitude of vibration. The rays become much more potent. They become hotter, and like that. Let's take a candle, and let's suppose I put a sign way over here on the wall. We turn out all the lights, and I'll light the candle and ask you to read the sign. You'd say, I'm not able to, and I'd say, why? You'd say, there's not enough light. That would appear to be the correct answer, but it would be wrong. The reason you're not able to read the sign is because the light is not being directed at the sign. Now, if I took exactly the same candle power, and I confined it in a flashlight, and I held the flashlight towards the sign, you'd be able to read it with these. See, well, the candle's here. Some of the light's going on you, some on me, all over the place. But when I confine the same candle power to a flashlight, I'm marshalling the energy, and I'm directing it towards a given point, and it becomes much more powerful, and you'd be able to read the sign with these. Enough light, misdirected. We got enough power, we misdirected. We think of too many unimportant things. Our mind's shooting all over the place. The average individual would have more ideas running across their mind in a matter of a minute than you'd find in the Encyclopedia Britannica. Just total loss of control. Know that you are originating those electric waves and know that you are also determining the density of them by your own choice. You must also know that since you are originating these electric waves, your whole being is in that particular vibration. Now think. You're taking brain cells and you're causing them to increase in amplitude of vibration, and you're sending off a powerful surge of energy. Do you know the only energy those brain cells can take on is the same energy it's sending off? The only energy those brain cells can take on is a like energy to that which you're sending off. You focus on the negatives in another person, what kind of energy do you think you're taking on? What kind of a vibration do you think you're in? It might be a wise idea to focus on the good aspects of even the worst situation. I could have got upset when the yo-yo string broke, or I could laugh at myself. I've got a choice. One time I wasn't able to laugh at myself. Now I frequently do. <laughs> Higher awareness. John always has. You know. On page 45, now, page 45 deals with something we're all familiar with. We have had magnificent instruments that's been used in the medical profession for years. And these magnificent instruments 
do nothing but measure vibration, the brain, the heart, and they'll tell you whether you're healthy or whether you are moving into trouble. Do you know how they can tell? By the vibration you're in, by the vibration you're in. I remember one time years ago, I had to go for a stress test for insurance. I didn't particularly like the idea of going because it was time consuming and who wants to run on a conveyor belt for a half hour? They'd have you running up and down stairs and jumping up and off and down steps. And then they'd lay you down and they'd wire you up. You see, they, they would put this electrocardiograph on you. And they would measure it and then they'd have you wait a few minutes and they'd measure it and then take a few minutes and take another reading, take a few minutes, take another reading. And of course, you'd get on there and your heart's going blah, 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 blah. And you're out of breath. I mean, you're just about worn out. Now, I practice relaxation, meditation, concentration for a long, long time. And rather than take a long time because I was in a rush, I just instantly returned myself to a normal state. They called me a little while later. They said, you got to come back for another stress test. The machine wasn't working right. <laughs> That's, a, that's the truth. And of course, there's a lot of people that are able to do that. You're quite able to do it. All you have to do is learn how. And we want to understand that the brain is that electronic instrument that controls the nervous system throughout the body, which is the electrical system in the body. You've heard of people having nervous breakdowns? No such thing. Person had a nervous breakdown, they'd be a puddle on the floor. The nervous system is the electrical system that keeps the body intact. They lose conscious control, conscious control. This explains why on page 45, they do not understand how to control this magnificent electrical instrument that they live in. Your body is the most phenomenal object on planet Earth, in the cosmos as far as I'm concerned. We are truly creative beings in charge of our own world. And we're in charge because we can alter vibration. Alter vibration. Or as I was saying with Scott in the music, create new vibration. Color is vibration. Have you ever noticed if you wear a certain color, you feel better? They have found by painting hotel or uh, 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 hospital rooms, nice bright yellows and pinks, people get better faster. Used to be cut well, sew well, get well with the doctors. Well, now they're pink well, you know. I mean, big difference. Now, I'm going to ask you to turn over to page 46. And as you focus in on page 46, I'm going to ask that you focus on your goal. Get the thing that you want more than anything else riveted in your mind and then take every bit of information that John focuses on on this board and relate it to the goal. Don't just listen to it as information. Let this information mean something to you and take all the ideas that he's going to come across and direct it towards the object or the thing that you truly desire. Dr. Ken McFarlane, the late Dr. McFarlane, the great educator, he said anything's possible if the motivation is strong enough. You'll remember Heinz Dawes, how his circumstances were not too favorable. He thought he was going to lose his house. Well, Heinz was sitting in the seminar. His fantasy became a theory. Heinz's fantasy, even though he was having difficulty maintaining his home, was to drive a new Cadillac. And it was while he was sitting in the seminar that his fantasy literally became a theory. Heinz took that theory and turned it into a fact 
in a short 21-day period. I got my Cadillac uh, in 22 days after I made that promise to myself. There were certain things that Bob suggested. Um, we went to um, one of the dealers in Toronto and got half a dozen brochures. I cut out the page of the car which I wanted, which was a Coupe de Ville. I had one stuck in the bathroom, one of the dash of my old car, one in the kitchen, one in my attache case, one in the office, and one directly on the ceiling in our bedroom. You went, this, and, sat in. Eh? You went and sat in there too. Yes, that was one of the other things. Try to get the senses involved as much as uh, you can. So Bob suggested that sit behind the car and pretend it's yours. Smell the leather. Um, have the air conditioning blow on you, listen to the stereo. We got the senses involved and this friend of mine took a picture of me in this car. I still have the picture. I also carried a little goal card with me that Bob suggested so that every time I put my hands in my pocket that mental picture was being recreated. I had never written so much business in such a short period of time ever and at that time I was in the business uh, about 15 years. Mm -hmm. Many of the suggestions we make in the seminar may seem immature, they may seem childish. Heinz Dawes was a mature human being. He had been an insurance agent for 15 years, but he took the suggestions that we gave and he followed through on them. He literally got a photograph of himself sitting in an automobile. Now that photograph had a real impact on Heinz's brain and ultimately on his mind, and he accomplished that goal in a relatively short period of time. Right on the first page of your action planner, we recommend that you take a photograph of yourself and place it in this square. There's a photograph of yourself. There's a suggestion that you're born rich. You're a prosperous person. Now what we want to suggest is that you get a photograph of yourself with your goal. It might be a new home. Shop around, pick out the place you like, stand in front of it, and get your photograph taken. Go and sit in an automobile. Get the picture of yourself, literally a physical picture, and hold that picture in your mind. Look at it as often as possible. Now, John Canary is going to talk to you about the importance of vibrations and goals. Vibration is everything. That's what the picture does. It puts you in the vibration. Listen to John as he elaborates on that. Now, someone gave us a number of books here not too long ago, and there's something in here that I want to share with you because I know what happens when we go through this particular session. A lot of people go away from it and they ask this question instead of studying. What do you mean by vibration? What do you really mean? Well, this is about the best definition I've ever found. Every thought changes the rate of vibration. As you are enabled to think greater, deeper, higher, and more forceful thoughts, the brain cells are refined and they become more powerful and they are enabled to receive finer vibrations. What does that mean? I say time and time again to people that we don't get what we want, but we do get what we are. Now you've got to really think about this. We don't get what we want, but we do get what we are. 
That's probably one of the most important things that I've ever heard. Not only heard, but it's one of the most important things I've ever learned. How do we actually get what we want by becoming, by becoming something different in vibration? Now, let me allude to something that I mentioned earlier and something Bob's been talking about quite a bit. When you talk about the attitude of an individual, I mean the total person, what you're actually stating is that my thoughts, my feelings, and my actions represent what is called my attitude. Let me ask you this. What are your thoughts, your feelings, and your actions towards your personal life? Just toward you as an individual. What are your thoughts, feelings, and actions, let's say towards your income or your business life? What are your thoughts, your feelings, and your actions, let's say towards your family life? Because you see, your thoughts, feelings, and actions is what determines your state of vibration. Your thoughts, feelings, and actions, it actually determines who and what you are, as well as what it is you're going to get. As well as what it is you're going to get. Now, I want to cover just one concept to show you how you can actually begin to do it. Here's the first thing you've got to understand, is that knowing does not precede doing. Now, I want you to really think about what I just said. Knowing does not precede doing. The moment we as individuals begin to focus on a particular objective, or we start to look at what it is we want, we don't necessarily feel good about getting it. We can see it, we can think about it, but we don't necessarily feel good about doing it. I'm going to give you a good example. How many people here in sales? That's a few. The rest of you beware. Now, <laughs> now consider this for a moment. Uh, uh, how many people here really get up enthusiastic and enjoy cold calling? How many do not? Now keep your hands up, the ones who do not. Is it true, though, that you know you must do it? Isn't it true that you would like to feel comfortable doing it? The moment that you start to go out cold calling, or as Paul mentioned yesterday, meeting that particular girl. Okay, put your hands down now. Or meeting that particular guy. That is suddenly a demand that changes your rate of vibration or changes, you could say, the way that you feel. Now, consciously, you know what you have to do. You know what it is you're working toward. You know what it is you want. But inside, there's a feeling, an uncomfortable feeling, or you could say a rate of vibration, giving you feedback, telling you why you can't do it. Now, this is what you have to do in very, very simple terms. How many learned to drive with a stick shift? Do you remember what it was like? <laughs> now, isn't it true that consciously you had all the knowledge to drive that car? Yes, no. And you get in there and you're anything like me, you had a person sitting beside you. And they said, now here's what I want you to do. They're giving you instructions. They said, I want you to put foot in clutch, put the other one on the brake. Hold both hands in the wheel. Then reach over, make sure you pull this thing up, put it down there in the first, reach over and start the car. Now, as soon as you got to start it, make sure you keep one foot in the clutch, the other one on the brake. 
Now, as soon as you're all ready, I want you to let your foot off, clutch just a little bit. As soon as you do, take foot off, brake, same time, get a little bit of gas. Get it going about 10, 15 miles an hour. Now, keep in mind, now what you got to do, as soon as you get it going 10, 15 miles an hour, the engine starts to roar. So what do you do? Take foot off the gas, put the one in the clutch, put it up there in a second. Take foot off the clutch again, put it back in the gas. Get it going to about 20, 25. Now, be careful now. You don't want to go too far because the engine will start to roar again. You burn the engine out. So I'm sure as soon as you do that, you put the foot in the clutch again. Take foot off the gas, though, at the same time, and you put it down there in the third, take it back off the clutch again, put it back in the gas, you get it going. You got it? Got it. Now, they said, now, just before you pull out, why don't you be careful? Now, why don't you take one hand, put it over here behind me, keep the other one on the wheel, keep one in the clutch, keep the other one on the brake. Now, they said, as soon as you relax, take this hand back here and take it, grab it down there where it was in third, put it up there in the first, put your hand back here, and now you got it back up there in reverse. Now, keep your hand in the wheel there, keep the other one in the clutch, keep foot in the brake, and then start to let it, off the, let it off the clutch just a little bit. As soon as you do, put it in the gas, but just before you do that, make sure you look this way, no cars coming that way, no cars, no kids in front, make sure you look this way, somebody may be walking behind the car. Now, as you got this here thing going, you're standing like this, what I really want you to do now, as soon as you back that up a little bit, make sure you put your foot back in the brake, but make sure you put it back in the clutch again, and put your hand back over, pull it down in the first. As soon as you do that, take it off the clutch, off the brake, then get it going in the gas, go through the same procedure, hit the clutch, put it back up there in the second, take it off the clutch, put it back in the gas, get it going again, and take it off what? Off the gas, put it back in the clutch, put it down in the third, back in the gas, and away you go. You got it? Yeah. Now, now, what actually happened is you had all the knowledge to drive the car. But you know what's interesting? You were not yet in harmony with your idea. But you started to do it not once, but over and over and over again. And as Bob pointed out yesterday, until the idea became fixed, you developed a sufficient number of brain cells to do it. Now think about this. You have got in mind something that we call a goal. Now where you are today are where your thoughts have brought you. I don't mean sitting in this room. But I mean that everything that you have brought in your life, everything that you have to this point in time is a result, nothing more, of the state of vibration you are in mentally, emotionally, and physically. Now, folks, instead of working so much toward this on the outside, we have to increase our state of vibration in this way. The more and more that you think about where you're going and how you're going to get there, and you go out and act on the idea. And you know, that's the difference. People will not act on the thing they want they seem to entertain themselves by visualizing that they can have it, how nice it would be to get it, but when it comes to acting on it, their vibration, the way they feel about it, tells them they can't have it. So they spend their life dreaming rather than acting. It was a one time said, and all that was left when his living was through were the mountain of things he intended to do tomorrow. Let me ask you this. What habit patterns do you need to get to where you want to go? What habit patterns do you need to get to where you want to go? I believe it was Oscar Wilde who said one time, why is it that you and I were never told? That in our brain, we hold. In just one single tiny ivory cell. This kingdom called heaven or this kingdom called hell. 
In other words, when you impress your idea, you cause these cells to move at a certain rate of vibration. Do you know when you take an idea and you impregnate it over and over again, you impregnate that idea into one cell. When you impregnate that idea into the cell, that cell is dividing one into two, two into four, four into eight, eight into 16 to 32, 64. And the process goes on at the rate of 50,000 cells per second. And the more and more you act on it, even though you don't feel good about it, but you work with the idea, you start to develop this change in vibration. But what is really happening is you're impregnating the cells with the characteristic or the idea. And these cells are going to search out the very thing necessary to get you to where you want to go to complete the manifestation of that idea. What was the great statement by our friend Einstein that he had burned into the corner of his desk? He said it was responsible for every great invention. When he said that all creation waits with eager longing for the revealing through the sons of man, you and I. In other words, everything that you want is already here. The best way to do what you're doing, it's already here. It's never been thought of, but it's already here. It's just that it's in, as Bob explained, in another form. What we need to do is we need to constantly think about where we're going, what we want to do, and we start to increase our level of thinking by vibration, and we begin to attract thoughts of a like nature that'll move us in that direction. But you can't sit and wish. There is a difference in wanting a thing and being ready to receive it, and being ready to receive it. So just suppose you know what it is you want, and you ask yourself, what habits do I need to form or develop to bridge the gap from where I now find myself to the point I want to reach? You know the only difference in steam and ice is the state of vibration of the water or the H2O. Do you know the only difference in where you are versus where you want to go is your state of vibration? Do you know that everything to get you there is already here? And it always has been. There's a gentleman that I have not met. He's in the audience today. And his name is Boris Pico. Listen to this. This man lost or did not have a car or his driver's license. I'm not sure which. But Boris, where are you? Boris, stand up so everybody can see you for a moment. Boris sold in one month without a car 28 homes. But listen to this. What is really interesting is he stands up there. I'm not, it, Boris is not going to speak, so it's okay. I, I just want you to see him. I never even met you, Boris. I just was reading this. Without a car, he sold 28 homes in a month. And he said, what happened is, just walk down a little bit, Boris, so people can see you a little bit better there. And what happened is, because he didn't have a car, he said, I decided just to go out and knock on doors every day. Now, you see, as a result of that, he not only formed the habit, but he changed his entire state of vibration. Consequently, everything that was in harmony with the way Boris thinks, with the way Boris feels, and the way Boris acts, he started to attract that very thing into his life. That very thing into his life.
without a car. Without a car. Why don't we give Boris a hand? Now, let me tell you what, one of the reasons I think we don't get to where we want to go. I think it's because we try to be too realistic and too practical about the goals that we set. Now, I've heard people come to me and they'd say, you know, you've got to be realistic and you've got to be practical. I can tell you that's the one thing that no one can ever, ever accuse Bob of being is practical or realistic. Hans Selyer, who was the greatest doctor on stress on this earth, anywhere he'd speak, he would attract some of the greatest minds from all over this earth. And I've carried this around with me for a long time, this statement by Selyer. And Selyer said that he found beyond a shadow of a doubt that practical and realistic people are not as practical and realistic in the long run of life as the dreamers who pursue their dreams. There's an article about a man on here who applied to every United States medical school and was refused by every single one of them, telling him he would never be a doctor. Now keep in mind, the idea that he held was searching out some, in all these cosmos, every corner of these cosmos, to find a way for that idea to become a reality. And they all rejected him. And almost say the idea doesn't work. And then he wrote it once more. He did it again. They rejected him the second time. And then he wrote once more and they rejected him the third time. Don't you think that was enough to change his state of vibration? Don't you think that was enough for him to turn his desires inward and give up on the goal or the idea? They say depression is energy at its lowest state of vibration. They say that success is energy at its highest state of vibration. Happiness, joy, is orderly vibration. Well, I took this idea because his man, or this man I think you know, as the man with the first artificial heart. In other words, he invented the first artificial heart. Anybody know who I'm talking about? Dr. Jarvik. Three times he was rejected. But he kept on and he kept on and he made it. I took that idea to a gal who had given up on life. Call her at any time. Her name? Robinson. Hillary Robinson. Hillary was not in the healthiest state at the time. In other words, her state of vibration was very low because Hillary stopped looking in the direction that she should have been looking in. She wasn't expecting things to happen in her life for a happier, for a healthier, for a more productive life. She was not looking for it. Consequently, she wasn't getting it. And as we started to talk to Hillary, remember what I pointed out here? That every thought changes the rate of vibration. You see, if I were to take someone right out here in the platform and I started to get you to build a picture on the screen of your mind about something that is pleasant, that is enjoyable, 
something that, that you truly would like to have, you truly would like to be, you would change your state of vibration. If you can maintain it for a period of time, you would enjoy it longer. If you can maintain it for an additional period of time, not only would you enjoy it longer, you'd start to meet people like you. You'd start to bring things consistent with that rate of vibration or state of vibration. In other words, your outside world would change because your inside world has changed. Because your inside world has changed. You could call her at any time. Because you know what happened to this young lady? I'm not going to read her goals and the things she's achieved, but we sat beside her and she listed all of her goals, 10 of them. While she was in that negative state of vibration, we were able to get her to see herself in a different light. She started to list the goals and she's achieved every single one of them. And I'll throw one in, one more in as a bonus. She just opened her own company with her husband recently. I'll guarantee you, Bill Lawrence, you must know Hillary Robinson that worked with Roy Stevens. Everything changed when her state of vibration changed. And when your state of vibration changes, it changes as a result of your attitude changing. In other words, your thoughts, your feelings, and your actions, when they change, your whole energy that's being expressed begins to change. Now, on page 46 at the very top, on vibrations and goals, numerous times in other programs it has been suggested that everything you are seeking is seeking you. Think about that. I just mentioned that you are today where your thoughts have brought you. Because as we think, we actually travel. As we think, we travel. We may be able to stand still physically, but we are forever moving in thought. We are forever moving in thought toward that which we most secretly love, be it base of beautiful or a mixture of both. For we always gravitate towards that which we most secretly love. Always do. Even the things we don't like are the things we love. Otherwise, we wouldn't have them. It was suggested that we already have everything that we want. You don't have to get anything. It is simply a matter of becoming aware of what you already have, for it is within. It's with you always. If energy, if energy is neither created nor destroyed, everything you will ever want is already here. Now think about that. A higher rate of vibration always destroys a lower rate of vibration. If we have negative things in our life that we don't want, we need only go to a higher order of vibration. Now here are some questions you must answer because it'll tell you what state of vibration you're in. Suppose I were to ask you, do you hate misery more than you love happiness? Do you hate poverty more than you love prosperity? Do you hate disease more than you love health? Because you see, if you hate these things, 
you increase the possibility of them becoming yours. The thing you hate is yours. The thing you love is yours. Whatever it is you love, it is yours. If not in the physical world, it definitely is in the mental and spiritual world. Do you hate misery more than you love health? Do you love prosperity more than you hate poverty? More than you hate poverty. Let me go on. It is simply a matter of choosing the thoughts that will put you in a harmonious vibration with the good that you desire. What are the thoughts that have put you in harmony with the good that you desire? What does your desire look like? Suppose you were to run a, a movie through in, in your mind. With you as the star and you as the director, what would it really look like? Because that's how you get into harmony with the things you desire. The moment you bring your life into harmony with the law, the negative will have taken wings, for the cause will have been removed. Think about it. If you want to remove a negative from your life, what you must do is go to a higher order, and a higher order of vibration always destroys a lower order of vibration, and negative is a lower order of vibration. The secret to receiving on the physical plane the results you desire is covered more adequately, adequately in the lesson we went over in expectation. Think about it this way. Do you know in a limited state of understanding, we actually sit down and logically reason that we can only get something or we, can only re we can't receive it or we can't give it until we receive it. We logically try to prove that to ourselves. In a limited state of understanding, we actually try to reason that we must get before we can give. And when Bob goes through the vacuum law of prosperity, believe me, there's going to be some navels pop around this room. Some navels pop around this room. I was with my good buddy, Mike Croucher, last week, and he was telling me a story about a man that I'd sat down and talked to over a year ago, and we were talking about this very thing. I said, you know, my friend, you're in a very negative state of vibration, a very negative vibration. And he got quite upset at me. And I told him, unless he changed his state of vibration, he's going to get more of the same in his life, which wasn't very much. Last month, he was at their convention. As the story goes, before the night ended, he had the chairman of the board and the senior vice president in a headlock at 1 o'clock in the morning telling them what was wrong with the company and how he was going to change it. The next day, he didn't even remember it. But you see, I said over a year ago that more of the same was going to happen unless he changed his state of vibration. <coughs> Obviously, he has not, at least to that day. So this lesson then is designed to help you understand how to get into harmonious vibration with the good that you desire and, then how, to and how to stay in that state of vibration. Think about it this way. There are people who come to me and say they're looking for the right mate. How can I find the right mate? Well, what you do is be the right mate. You see, you don't get what you want, you get what you are. And when you become in spirit, when you become mentally, when you become spiritually, when you become emotionally involved in what it is you want, you become then, you become that person that would have it. You become that person that would have it. The law of perpetual transmutation of radiant energy. Well, I, I believe that Bob just briefly touched on it a moment ago when he said, a person throws off a positive vibration, that person must, 
under the law of perpetual transmutation of energy, take on an equal amount because as we sow, so shall you reap. In other words, when we think about something, good, bad, or indifferent, that energy that we release, we are going to take on an equal amount of exactly the same kind. You're going to take on an equal amount of the same kind. That's why some people believe, you see, that, you know, that if it's expedient to be honest, fine, I'll be honest. If it's expedient to shade it a bit, fine, I'll shade it a bit. Now you get it all back. You get it all back. It's like they said to the old Indian when he was working with his boomerang. They said, why don't you get a new boomerang? Well, he said, every time I throw this one away, it keeps on coming back. And every time you throw out a thought, you don't have to say it verbally. You only have to think it. You only have to feel it. You're going to get it back. That's why we were taught to think well of people. To think well of people. So the law of perpetual transmutation of radiant energy, what does it teach us? Well, you see, if I were sitting down and I were talking to Brian, as a matter of fact, you know, uh, I meet a lot of people in my life, and uh, if I ever wanted to be like anybody, I, I mean really like someone, and, and their attitude, and just their presence, and their well-being, uh, I think it would be Brian. I, a more pleasant guy, his state of vibration is so good. He has such a beautiful state of vibration. You, you just feel it when you're around. It makes you feel comfortable. You like yourself because you met him. That's because, you see, he makes you feel good about you. Now, you think about this, and then I'm going to bring us in for a landing. People go out and they say, I'm going to try this about giving and receiving. I heard this Proctor and Canary said that if you just go out and do the best you can for people, you're going to get it all back. They said it so, it must be. And I've watched people go out, like Tammy, and they give their best. And it doesn't come back. And then I watch someone else will go out, and they'll give a person the best they've got, and they'll give them all the knowledge, all the information they need, and a person will stroll down to someplace else and buy what it is they want. And you say, that's it. I'll never do that again as long as I live. They were wrong. I'll never go to one of those seminars again. It's all a pile up. Let me ask you something. Have you ever received anything just like that? You never asked for it. You never really expected it. It could have been a sale where someone just walked in and said, I'll take four of those. And you go, you'll never believe what a coincidence did I ever get lucky today. Someone walked in and bought it all. Has that ever happened to anybody where you made or something happened, you weren't expecting it totally? That ever happened to anybody? Am I the only one? I was going to ask how many people know how to hold up their hands. <laughs> but now think about this. Your responsibility is just one. Just one. If you can understand that every thought changes your state of vibration, every thought you entertain, that means that the only responsibility we have is to put it out. To put it out. Universal principle, spirit, 
whatever that which is, the no thing as Edison called it, it will reciprocate in like kind, but it does not say when or from where or through whom it is coming back. Please understand that. If I give the best I've got to Jim, I may get it back from Brian. Spirit, universal intelligence, it will determine whether I'm getting it back and when and how I'm going to get it back. I'd give anything for a young person to understand that. Because you don't get it back from the person you've given it to doesn't mean you're not getting it back. Your responsibility is to put it out. Universal intelligence will determine how, when, and through whom it is coming back. It is coming back. I'm sure that years ago in 1975 down at the Hyatt when Bob was sitting down with Paul Hutsey, that never in his wildest dreams did he ever think he was going to get back a lot of the things that he was putting out at that time. He just knew he was getting it back, but he didn't know when. But it still is. It still is. So let me ask you this. If you don't like what you're getting back in your life, I'm going to ask you, have you examined lately what you're putting out? And how you examine what you're putting out is you ask yourself, what is my state of vibration? What is it? Well, here's how you tell. What are my thoughts, feelings, and actions toward my personal life? What are my thoughts, feelings, and actions toward my business life? What are my thoughts, feelings, and actions toward my family life? That's how you tell. That's not difficult to do. And that'll tell you what your attitude is, what your state of vibration is, and it'll tell you why you have the things that you actually have. You may want to review that part that John just covered and most certainly reread page 46 and jot down the notes that come to your mind as you relate the message or the ideas on that page about vibration and goals to your own specific situation. We've given you some suggestions on other goals. We've suggested trips, cars. It may be furs or jewelry. Watch this and then prepare yourself as we bring this in for a landing on the last cassette. There's some interesting information that I think you'll even find fascinating. I hope you enjoyed this video. We put a lot of good information up here and it causes everything in your life to get better. If you'd like us to notify you every time we put a new video up, hit subscribe and then turn on notifications. Check out all our videos and we will notify you when we put a new one up. Antonio T. Smith Jr. and I'm excited to be with you and I want to take this opportunity to tell you what you get what this path bender is about 
Can you really change your life? Can I change your life? Can you bend your path? And I want to talk about four things that help you understand how I've come up with Pathbender and how the idea of actually bending your path is not only realistic, but it's realistic for you. The first thing I want to tell you is I can't teach you anything because you already know everything. There is something so different about you. Something about you is so fundamentally different that if I disassemble you and put you back together, you won't have life. You don't work like the cameras recording me or the lights around the studio. Something about you is different. So if you hear me say anything in these four things that I want to tell you, the first one being you already know everything. If it feels like you're remembering, if it feels good to your soul, if it feels well with your being, that is how you know it is true. And the first thing that I'm telling you, it is true that you know what I'm about to say, you've just forgotten. There are distortions over you and these truths that have escaped you are finding their ways back to you. And I am just your guide back to your compass. It's the first thing. So in truth, something about you understands you can bend your path. Maybe you haven't thought of it. Or maybe you've been thinking about it and now it is here. And it is my most gracious honor to be the person you're listening to and to be the soul that's intertwined with your destiny. The second thing I want to tell you is the principle Wu Wei. You find it in the Tao, Taoism. It is this idea of not forcing anything. My friends, life is not a life of manipulation. It's more of a life of meditation. Manifestation does not go hand in hand with manipulation. And if you are forcing your path, you're on the wrong path. If things are not coming to you in the fastest quickest, most harmonious way possible. If your life seems as if you are swimming up a stream, going against the grain, flowing through cement, if you have money, but no well relationships, or you have well relationships, but no money, if you are spiritual, but broke, and if you are religious but can't make ends meet you are manipulating your current path and you're not bending it to your will pathbender is a concept i've come up with i am a big fan of the wachowskis and my favorite movie by them is cloud atlas my second favorite movie now is The Matrix, which was my first, but now. 
and at the end of the Matrix Part One, Neo bends reality to himself after he believes. And that's that's basically the premise of Pathbender. The truth is, that's not science fiction. The idea of bending your path has been here for millennia. Bruce Lee told you, be like water, my friend. This is what it is, okay? I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. Now you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put it in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now water can flow, or it can crash. Be water, my friend. Now, all these things are important. So this idea of Wu Wei is about you not forcing. And Pathbender is you finding your own path and you're not forcing the events you want. You're not manipulating the events you want. You are creating the events you want. You are the greatest creator to ever live on this planet and no one can create better than you, not now or ever. The third thing I want to tell you, and this may come as an offensive shock to some, but you are God. Uh, you are this life-giving force and I want you to think about it. You're the only species on this planet that can create something out of nothing. For, the, for theologians, way back in antiquity, there's a Latin phrase called ex nihilo. It is a phrase that means out of nothing and how God created this world ex nihilo, out of nothing. And the only life force on this planet that can take nothing and then make a masterpiece is God. But you've been doing that since the day you've been born. Take a piece of paper that has nothing there and out of nothing, J.K. Rowling wrote Harry Potter. Robert Greene wrote 48 Laws of Power. Out of nothing, the Steven Spielberg produced movies. Out of nothing, this Denzel create characters that we remember forever. This idea of out of nothing, and you're the only one who can do that. Goldfish can't, lions cannot, just humans. You are God. You can find that in Christian texts in which in the book of Mark, the writer exclaims a question by the disciples as they turn towards Jesus and they ask what manner of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him now this isn't Christian only thing you don't have to be Christian Jew Muslim to get this 
the writer is explaining that even the people the ascended master Jesus was with on a daily basis had no idea who he was. He was not a man. He was God in man's flesh. And I say the same thing to you. You're not a man. You're not a woman. You perform miracles on a daily basis. What manner of man are you that even blank pieces of paper respect your creative power? And the last thing I want to tell you is Pathbender is about becoming a force, a force to be reckoned with. Scientifically, there's a formula for force. You can look it up yourself. Force equals mass times acceleration. We, we must talk for a little bit. In order to become a force, you need mass multiplied by acceleration. In order for you to become a force, you need energy in one place over and over to become multiplied by the acceleration, the speeding up of something to become a force. Say it again. In order to become a force, Einstein says, all mass is energy in one place times the speed of light twice. You know that as E equals MC squared. Einstein scientifically understood and explained to us that mass is simply thought idea over and over and over a thought. What is the greatest form of energy? Thought energy. A thought over and over and over, moving at the speed of light twice squared, over and over in one place. And once you keep putting energy in one place, in one place, in one place, in one place, that energy ceases to be something invisible and becomes a tangible piece of matter. This is why it's hard to destroy something that exists. Energy can never be created and it can never be destroyed. First law of thermodynamics because once you put energy in a place over and over and over and over again, it takes infinity to destroy what has been created. So in order to become a force, someone like me must teach you how to put your energy Harness your energy into one place over and over and over until it becomes something tangible. And in truth, you have been doing this your entire life. You just haven't been doing it deliberately for your benefit. But everything around you is your thought energy manifested into physical form. The second part of this equation, acceleration is the idea that when you get this piece of matter and you believe in it so much, you see it so much, it is so, it is so tangible that it gains its own speed. And then you put speed on top of that speed because everything in the world is in motion already in vibration. 
So this idea of acceleration is this idea that the more you speed what you created up, when you multiply that by what you created, you become a force. It's the basis of Pathbender. Mass times acceleration equals force. And many of you are attempting to become a force on this planet, but the problem is you haven't attracted someone like me yet to teach you how to deliberately create the mass you want in your life and how to deliberately accelerate that so you can be a force. Be like water, my friends. You can go to the event page and catch all of what's included. But I wanted to stand before you and tell you about the intent. I wanted you to feel my energy. I wanted you to see my face. Energy doesn't lie. If you believe like I believe, if there is something about you right now that I am awakening, we are at the same vibration, consider. I wanted you to catch my energy and I wanted you to know that your time is here and you have the power to bend your reality. Join me. Become a pathbender. I've been looking for you. Antonio T. Smith Jr., you can't plant better. You can dominate. Mm-hmm.